This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Buds, welcome to Keeping Carlson Short Shift, a brand new podcast hosted by myself, Ben Burnett, and my co-host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Having a very exciting week uh, taking on the fantasy hockey robot himself, Brian Kahn, in the cupful. Uh, it's going to be a very exciting match. That's right, folks. It's a short shift host versus a main pod host. And so far, Louis, how are you faring? Well, I've got fewer games, uh, but I'm behind by about six points right now. So the uh, Zach Parise show tonight really set me back a little bit. So I'm hoping that I can uh, do some catch-up. We have a goalie head-to-head this evening. Uh, My uh, Koskinen versus his Martin Jones. So we'll know a little bit more uh, by the late shift. And of course, the Short Shifts program endorses only Short Shifts hosts. Sorry, Brian, we're cheering against you this week. Um, Folks, welcome to our Wednesday morning show. Uh, We come to you twice a week, Monday and Fridays. Uh, Of course, Lewis and I, you can find us on Twitter at AVGTimeOnIce, where we tweet with our pal Jade under the pseudonym average Time on Ice. Uh, Lewis, people listening, they should be following us for sure, right? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, your stop for... Uh, everything from the mundane updates about line changes and key deployment uh, to the bizarre, like our long Limerick series that we did over the summer about all of the moves that each team made. Yeah, I'm always conscious of the fact that like 90% of our listeners have only seen about 10% of the type of content that we are known for. Maybe that's for the best sometimes, but yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that you can find on uh, at AVG Time on Ice. Our combined talents uh, are, are multivariate. Absolutely. We'll get right into it. Um, of course, we try to keep these shifts short and leave the uh, deep dives and the main stuff for Brian and Elon on the Sunday evening pod. We're going to hop right into it with the biggest story in fantasy hockey right now, and that would be the health of Nikita Kucherov. Lewis, you're actually just describing the hit to me and sent me a link. Why don't you tell folks, what do you think we're looking at with the Kucherov injury? Didn't look very good. Kucherov had his back down ice and turned around just in time to be barreled into by Braden Shen. Uh, It certainly looked like Kucherov hit the back of his head on the ice. He's exited the game and has not returned, so it's looking like an upper body injury. Uh, Right now he's listed as day-to-day on Yahoo, and I'm sure we'll have more information in the postgame and later on during the week. Yeah, and I mean, with a story this big, of course, we're going to be tweeting about it tomorrow once we get an update, and hopefully it's not something long-term. We're all cheering for you, Nikita. 
Moving along the headline section, we are going to get into a former favorite of Lewis's who has now come to a, I believe, I think we can put, we can close the chapter on this player. Corey Schneider sent down to the waivers by the New Jersey Devils, and in his stead, Louis Domingue has been called up. Rest in peace to Corey Schneider trutherism. Some folks expected a bit of a bounce back this year, and it honestly, it got me starting to believe, but unfortunately, that talk looks to be dead in the water. Lewis, thoughts on uh, Mackenzie Blackwood upon hearing the news? So, yeah, I do have to mourn my poor pick. I had a pretty solid draft, but certainly grabbing Corey Schneider has not paid any dividends. We discussed Blackwood's viability last week, and we recommended him for a pickup in leagues that count saves or where consistent starts are valuable. Uh, Even more so now, he certainly seems to be the clear-cut number one in New Jersey, barring some kind of fantastic run from Louis Domingue. If he's still kicking around on your fantasy waiver wires, I would prefer him over goalies like Hutton, Quick or Dubnik. Now, he did have a rough start Tuesday night, uh, as we're recording, but plenty of goalies have bad outings against the Bruins. You would have to go back nearly a month to find the last game where he got negative points in Kakupful, which is a league that counts uh, .35 points per save and subtracts two for goals against. So if you're in a league with uh, at all similar scoring where you're getting points for saves, uh, he seems to be a pretty good bet. Yeah, of course, the Kakupful, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League is a league started by Brian and Elon that features a couple hundred patrons of Keeping Carlson. Um, We're also sorted into divisions, and it's by far the most competitive and most entertaining league that I play in. Uh, I invite everyone to come join us in that. Anywhere where I need reliability in starts, I think Blackwood is an ad, and I prefer him definitely to Hutton and Quick right now. Not so sure about Dubnik long term, but that that depends on your ability to stomach Minnesota Wild hockey games. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, You know, I think it could be a coin flip between those two. Um, But Dubnik may be facing some pressure of his own as Alex Stalock just put up a shutout. So you never know how those things will turn out. Oh my gosh, I had just assumed it was Dubnik and Ned Lewis. I'm learning from listening to you talk as we record this episode. Uh, Moving along in our headline section, of course, Jonathan Druin is out at least eight weeks after being knocked through the space-time continuum by Alex Ovechkin last week. Lewis, did you see that hit? Another very punishing hit uh, to add to our list of you know hits to check out on Twitter, certainly. Um, they're saying that Druen's injury is unrelated to the hit from Ovi. I find that hard to believe, uh, but we'll have to take them at their word for the time being. Yeah, uh... We have seen some adjusted lineups, of course, in Druin's absence. Do you uh, think this significantly alters the fantasy-relevant players in Montreal? Anyone we need to be dropping or adding? So one player who seems to have an interesting change in deployment is Yoel Armia. Uh, he came up from the third line to play on the wing, uh, along with Nick Suzuki and, I almost said Ty Domi, Max Domi. Uh, and he's already taken advantage of that improved deployment. He got a goal uh, Tuesday night as we're recording. Uh, he, I think he could be a really useful waiver wire pickup for Wednesday's game against the Senators. They'll be starting Anderson on night two uh, of a road trip back-to-back. I tweeted about him earlier. I wish I had taken my own advice. I sat him on my bench today for his goal in favor of playing Joe Pavelski, who has not been able to get in on any of Dallas's five goals so far. 
So this also opened up a spot on the top-ish power play for Armia as well. So right now the 1A is Tatar, Domi, Armia, Wheel, and Weber. And then the 1B is Dano, Kokaniemi, Suzuki, Gallagher, and Petrie. Uh, So another interesting spot there for Armia. Lewis, our final headline, we're chatting about Buffalo goaltenders. To start the year, Carter Hutton was so hot. I remember being so annoyed when Linus Allmark was stealing starts from him. And then Carter Hutton suddenly goes totally dark, gives up his early season hot start, and is now down below 9-10 in save percentage. In his stead, Linus Allmark dropped another egg tonight. How are we feeling about goaltenders in Buffalo? I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole if I can help myself, if I'm desperate for goalies. But, uh, you know, it even seems like it's going to be hard to tell who the next starter will be. It almost looks like uh, an Oilers tandem, except with even less defensive capability over there. So keep me away. There are other goalies that I think you'll be happier to pick up. Yeah, I mean, who could have predicted that the Buffalo Sabres would have a scorching hot start and then would suddenly trail off to the point of being fantasy irrelevant? Uh, Lewis, we're going to move on. We're moving on to a top three list. And on this week's segment, we're actually going to go with two top three lists. We're going to do three buy lows. We're going to do three sell highs. I'm going to try and convince you why we should sell three players. And you're going to try to convince me why we should buy three players. I'll start off with a player out of uh, Las Vegas, William Carlson, the poster boy for regression after the Knights' inaugural season two years ago when he scored 43 goals. Last year, he put up a very respectable 24-goal and 56-point season. This year, Carlson appears to be back to that 2017-18 magical pace with eight goals and 23 points in 23 games. Unfortunately, there are several numbers that are unsustainable in his game so far this year, starting with his even strength IPP, uh, meaning the amount of goals that he has gotten points off of while he's on the ice at even strength. That is way too high at 83%. I'd expect that to be a touch under 70 the rest of the season. The Knights are also shooting 40% when Carlson is on the ice shorthanded. Unfortunately, I'm not sure that I can project William Carlson to put up double-digit shorthanded points, though he is on pace right now for 14 on the season. Uh, On the whole, he's currently pacing for a point per game, 82 points. I kind of see him as more of a 65-point pace guy over the rest of the year. Here are a few names that I was kind of thinking of that I'd I'd love to throw Carlson uh, out at for the owners of maybe a Tomas Hurdle, a Brock Besser. Do you think uh, you could even get a bite on a Mark Shifley at this point? I mean, I would love to grab any of those guys to make a swap for Carlson. I think that would be a great move, uh, especially if they are thinking that he can recapture uh, the power of that first season in Vegas. So, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, those are some folks that you could definitely make a push for. Awesome. Lewis, why don't you try and convince me about somebody that we should be buying? All right, I want to start out west as well with Bo Horvat. I will point out he scored an even strength goal tonight post research. These are these are pre Tuesday night numbers, uh, but right now, uh, at least before Tuesday's game. Uh, Bo Horvat was coming in with an individual shooting percentage five points below the worst mark of his career at even strength, shooting just 4.76%. Meanwhile, he's at his highest shots per 60 minutes rate of his career, and his individual expected goals per 60 rate is twice his goals per 60 rate at 
five-on-five. What this suggests is that there is a lot of room for growth and positive regression in terms of his goal scoring at even strength. He's also playing on the top power play with Besser, Pedersen, and Hughes, which is obviously a great place for him to be. I don't think there's a ton of room for growth for him uh, on the power play since he's currently shooting the lights out at a nice 21% shooting on the power play. Uh, But he's perhaps due for a few more assists. He's at his career worst 50% PPIPP, which is a great uh, acronym to, to talk about, but obviously this is his power play individual points percentage, so he's only getting in on half the goals that are being scored by the Vancouver on the power play. Now, probably because a lot of those uh, passes are going between the three players that I mentioned previously, but I think there's a chance for him to get in on a few more assists. Uh, I think you could offer a player like a Konechny or a Bertuzzi or an Oshi. Uh, all of whom are ranked higher than him in my Yahoo leagues. Um, But I think each of these guys is likely overachieving, each shooting around 20%. So while they're going to regress to the mean in a negative direction, I think Horvat is going to regress positively, uh, and you could really benefit from that type of trade. So we're looking at Horvat at about a 60-point pace, Lewis. How high do you think he can go? Again, if he can get in on a couple more assists on the power play and see that uh, individual shooting percentage climb at least into the eight nine percent range. Uh, I think that would put him uh, closer to a sixty five seventy point guy. Uh, push that ceiling up quite a bit. Horvat too is a player that we've seen positive development from each of his years in the league. Uh, going back as far as his rookie season, he's always improved on the previous year's total. Right now, he's at a sixty point pace one point behind last year's 61 points in 82 games. So it would be really nice to see a sixth consecutive year of growth from the new captain in Vancouver. I would be on board. A player like Tyler Bertuzzi is someone who always kind of confuses me because I always look for shooters and he is not that he is getting in on a lot of goals as a result of being on a line with a lot of shooters so he's not really a sort of guy that I usually go for anyway if you're in a multi-cat league I'm totally on board with trading him a guy like TJ Oshie too who's shooting crazy numbers uh, 22% I think when I looked earlier this evening so yeah I think that those are some pretty good comparables to throw out there for Bo. And, you know, if you're putting Oshi out there, you can remind folks that Oshi is the kind of guy who has been able to sustain those high shooting numbers for pretty significant periods of time. So uh, while they might protest a little bit, you know, you can give put that in their ear, you know, that Oshi, I think two years ago, shot around 20% for the whole season. Lewis, I'm going to try and sell you on selling another player here, and that player's name is Anze Kopitar. Uh, Kopitar's IPP is just a touch high at even strength, and we'll probably see a bit of a cool-off from him there. What's particularly unsustainable from the Kings captain, though, is that on the power play, he has a 100% IPP through 20 games this year. So he is pretty unlikely, I'm sure I don't need to tell you this, to continue getting in on every goal the Kings score moving forward. Their shooting percentage may be a little low on the man advantage, given that they've never finished below 10% with Kopi on the ice. They're currently around 8.5, so you may see a, get a bit of fluctuation on both sides there. But, you know, kind of the thing in LA right now is there's not a ton of talent around Kopitar on any unit whenever he's on the ice. I think he's probably more of a true talent 75-point player as opposed to the 86 he's on pace for. Um, I'd love to grab a Blake Wheeler or maybe I could put together a package of Kopitar and some sort of defenseman 
uh, a Neil Pionk or one of these uh, power play one guys who's sort of overperforming right now, a Ryan Pulock, for example. Do you think I could get a Steven Stamkos if uh, if I package Kopitar to the right owner? You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. I'm pretty sure Michael Scott said that. That's right. All right, so let's jump on to one of those Tampa Bay players who I think could be a really interesting buy-low opportunity. Now, Braden Point has a ton of name value because he was so hot last year, unsustainably so. He shot nearly 40% on the power play and racked up 35 power play points. So if you were in a league that gave you either you have a... Uh, special teams point category or you gain bonus points on the power play you were loving having Braden point on your team uh this year we're sort of seeing an opposite effect take place the bolts are still shooting pretty well on the power play but point is not able to cash in points ipp is down from 58 percent to 10 percent on the power play. If you gave him a sustainable 40% IPP on the power play, so not even especially high, uh, this would bump him up three or four power play points for the year. That makes point a point per game player. Again, I think it's tough uh, because he does have that quality brand name. Um, but think about this. Right now, the Lightning have played the fewest games of any team. So if you have a GM who is looking at season total scoring, what they are going to find is that point ranks way, way, way down, uh, far below where you would expect to find him. And they might be, you know, uh, if they're not paying attention, they might find that they could be pulled into thinking that his value is considerably lower than it actually may be. Even if they are sorting by average points per game or average production, uh, you'll find players like uh, Nikolai Ehlers or Ryan Strom, who are ranked about a tier above where point is. You know, this might give you the opportunity to make an offer of one of those players who's quite hot right now. Both of them are doing very well. Uh, to have you put point over on your side, especially if you're in a league that counts those power play points. They're bound to rebound for point. Yeah, I would love to add Braden Point in any league where I could get my hands on him right now. Going into the season, I thought that that 40% shooting percentage that he had on the power play last year, that seemed like an obvious regression candidate, but it's been to such an opposite degree. And then he missed time to start the year. I feel like his owners are probably getting a little itchy on the trigger finger, and that is the sort of player who I would love to buy. You've convinced me I'm buying Braden Point, especially if I could grab him for a Jordan Eberle, somebody who has been cold for so many years now. All right, Lewis, I have one more name to give you, and I'm a little bit worried about catching heat on this one. All right, well, I'm ready to hear it. I'm excited for a spicy take. This one, I feel like I need to sort of hedge a little bit, because this is a breakout player who definitely needs to be owned in all leagues, and especially in keeper leagues. I'm not necessarily advising to trade him away, but I am a little bit interested to see what you may be able to get for Andrei Svechnikov. What do you think about that name? Well, for a minute, I thought we were never going to get it out from you. Uh, I know. I'm sorry. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Well, I'm glad you put yourself out there. I think boldness is what is going to keep people tuning in. I think this is a fascinating take. I'm ready to hear why you think he's overperforming and why you should try and sell potentially now. 
Well, you may be hearing me walk it back also quite a bit because I, I definitely, you know, I would understand holding Svetch at all costs, especially in a keeper league. I'm probably not selling whatsoever. Uh, currently, he is now playing with Sebastian Ajo at even strength and on the power play, which is kind of the dream when you were drafting this offseason. So, I mean, I would understand being like, yep, I cash, I, uh, I drafted this guy. He's performing to my expectation and just moving on, being happy with what you've got. However, just hear me out on a few of these numbers. So, Andrei Svechnikov is not too, too high with anything in particular, but his on-ice shooting percentage, so the shooting percentage of players whenever he is on the ice, is over 12%. That number should be below 10 for sure. Uh, Sebastian Ajo, for example, just to give you the best player on the Canes and what he's able to sustain over the last three years has seen a 9-9-2 shooting percentage when he's on the ice. You're definitely going to want to expect that shooting percentage when Svech is on the ice to come down. Let's use that 9% as a baseline, that 9.9% as a baseline. That drop in a shooting percentage would drop Svech's numbers to a 41-point even strength pace instead of the 51-point pace that he's currently on. On the power play, the team is also shooting over 18% with Svechnikov on the ice. No player who isn't on Tampa Bay, Boston, or Colorado, three teams with excellent, excellent power plays, has been able to sustain an on-ice shooting percentage above 17 on the power play over the last three years. So, I think the way that this, this analysis needs to be read between the lines is... There is a possibility Andrei Svechnikov is just reached elite status in the league, and he has become one of the five or ten best performers by shooting percentage at even strength and on the power play. If you are a risk-averse player, then I think that this is an obvious sell-high moment. Because if those numbers dip back down to league average or at least like the high end of league average then you're looking at someone who's more like a 70 65 to 75 point player and i think that there's definitely a possibility that that's where svechnikov ends up i think that his upside is about the 82 point pace that he's on right now so what i am recommending not in a keeper league, but in a one-year league, is to go after players who could put up 82 points or more. So let me throw a name at you just off the top. I mentioned the team earlier. What if you could get an injured Miko Rantanen for Andrei Svechnikov right now? Is that selling high enough for a breakout superstar. So I like this idea a lot, and you've already said you're probably holding on to him in a keeper league, and I think that's the right idea. I think he's an extremely valuable piece, but I really like the idea of Ranton, and if he can come back fully healthy, you know, I think if you're asking which center do you want to play with, is it Nathan McKinnon or is it Sebastian Ajo, there's no doubt that you want to be lined up beside McKinnon, and I think that the Colorado power play that he obviously gets to enjoy uh, is much more lethal than what they've been able to put together in Carolina. Although we should note, they've finally been finding some success, some success by finally putting Dougie Hamilton up there to run the show. Thank heavens. I thought we might spend the rest of our lives waiting for that. Even still, I think that Rantanen is surrounded by a supporting cast that is of greater quality, uh, and he's already shown that he can score in the 90s. Uh, so yes, I think that is a trade that I would go for, especially in a one-year league. 
Mm, I appreciate you saying that. I had a few other names that, you know, if Rantanen was too high, a guy with 100-point upside, I'd also be happy to trade Svechnikov for a Panarin or a Giroux uh, in a league where points are significantly outweighing uh, peripherals where Svechnikov obviously has an upside because of the hits that he delivers as well. But yeah, if you could sell an extremely hyped Svechnikov for a guaranteed 80-85 point player, maybe you could even get a Sebastian Ajo for him at this point. Yeah, I think that would be an interesting idea. Watching how that played out for the rest of your season with uh, the player that you swapped the wing for the center, uh, I think that could be a really interesting race to track throughout the year. That's also like such an invitation for tilt because you'd be watching this team and you're just like, no, pass to him, not him, him, no, him. Ah." (laughs) Yeah, you love to see it. Why don't you convince me about one more player that we should be buying? All right, so I think this might be my best case that I have to make for you. This is a player who's been having a pretty dismal season despite some pretty good deployment. So I'm going to recommend James Van Riemsdyk as a good buy-low opportunity, especially because I don't think you would have to spend very much to get him. Uh, All of his rate stats right now are quite a ways below what you would expect from him in a normal year. Uh, And there is certainly room for some positive regression here that I think could see him improving his stock significantly. So if you can buy him for pennies on the dollar, uh, it's something that I recommend. So right now, JVR is scoring his worst IPP of his career at 56.25. This isn't too far below his average, but it is 10% lower than last year. Uh, So we'd like to see him maybe improve a little bit in that regard. His personal shooting percent at about 7 is his lowest of his career, 10% lower than last year, and 3% lower than his second worst career shooting percentage. His on-ice shooting percentage uh, for the team while he's out there is down at 7.34% in all situations. This is a point and a half worse than his career average and nearly four points off of last year's effort. If they can just find their groove a little bit and start climbing back towards a little bit closer to season average numbers, even just a bit below average, we should see the points start to come. Uh, so consider offering a player like a Eunice Donskoy or perhaps an Anthony Beauvillier, some of these uh, less proven track record folks who are having better seasons right now, but don't have the kind of ceiling that James Van Riemsdyk is capable of, especially in a multi-cat league. Yeah, I like that Donskoy. I like throwing Donskoy's name out there. Uh, another one on Colorado would be Andre Burakovsky. These two guys who you're kind of you're getting good production, but you're definitely not getting the shot volume, or you don't have the track record of a James Van Riemsdyk. I will say I am a little concerned about the way that Philly is running their power play units um, and just their their AV is such a line blender and has been for years. I think if it's not Claude, if it doesn't have Giroux's name on its back, it's not guaranteed to be on the top power play in Philadelphia. Um, you know, you want to you want someone who's stapled to the ground in that spot. But I think with the names that you're giving, it's pretty much an it's it's a no lose situation. Yeah, I think that, you know, those those guys are, you know, the types of players that if you can, who could potentially be waiver fodder in some leagues. Um, but if JVR is worth owning uh, in a league, then I would offer up one of those guys, I think, for him. Or, you know, if you can pull him off the waiver wire because he's been, you know, pretty wretched up to this point, I think this is a guy who has a lot of room to improve. So if you're in one of those 10 or 8-man leagues, uh, he might be floating around in there just to be grabbed. 
You mentioned Anthony Bavillier. What about a player who's been much hotter in New York, uh, Derek Brassard? Would you trade him for JVR? We haven't seen this kind of production from Brassard since he was wearing the other New York jersey uh, before he was swapped to Ottawa in that infamous Mika Zibanejad trade. Uh, so I don't know if he's going to be able to keep that up. He certainly is uh, wielding the hot stick right now and could be very interesting as potential trade fodder as well, another potential sell-high guy. Hey, maybe it's something in that famously clean New York water. <laughs> that's got to be it. Yeah. Uh, Lewis, that's all I had for you today. Um, folks, if you want to hear more from Lewis and I, I implore you to join the keeping carlson patron group on facebook that's where we are every day hanging out and chatting about hockey with brian elon our pal jade and so many others um also by joining the facebook group you can join the keeping carlson ultimate patron fantasy league my favorite fantasy league as i mentioned earlier and you can compete with some of the greats on there uh from myself i'm signing off lewis why don't you take us out of here yeah, just one more little plug. You know, I joined the Cacupful thinking that it would be fun to have an extra league and try myself out against a couple other uh, players with some different levels of skill. It has easily become the most important league for me to track uh, day in and day out. I live and die with how I do there. Uh, my other leagues are taken on a little bit less importance, so it's fun to be in that tiered mode. And Lewis, I should add, as I hop back in here unnecessarily... Um, if you do join the Keeping Carlson patron group, you are invited to Saturday mornings with the Keeping Carlson crew. We've been doing a live stream uh, starting last week, and we'll be continuing it moving forward, where we basically answer sit-start questions for patrons who join us. And I had a ton of fun uh, joined by our pal Jade Bettine in last week's show. And I believe the plan is to uh, roll that back and have myself and Jade in this week once again. So yes, please come and join us in there. We would love to have you uh thank you so much for joining us i hope ben i hope you enjoyed yourself today i had a great time recording the show this evening uh we are looking forward to seeing you on friday morning and until then play smart and keep your shifts short